We all have our own path to walk. It may be obstructed, it may be winding, and no doubt it will have peaks and valleys, but it is ours alone. Like onlookers at a marathon, friends and family can offer encouragement along the way, but ultimately we decide the trajectory that we take. In this series, Juliet Doris Williams offers a clear view from her path that may inform your decisions as you move toward finding your faith. One part spirituality, one part real world practicality, and a serious splash of fun. Here's Juliet. Hi, I'm Juliet. Welcome to Finding Faith. Among other things, I'm the author of Leaving Church, Finding Faith, and I am here chatting with you about the book and other things that may bubble up from time to time when you're talking about faith and life and how those two things intersect. And as I always say, if you're anything at all like me, they always intersect. So I've been thinking about a question that came to me recently. Is community really necessary? Asked because I think when you leave church, as I and and others have done, your sense of community, your loss of community is one of the things most immediately felt and noticed. This may be a question that some of you are pondering while considering your relationship with your church or your denomination, thinking about your next steps. And I will confess that this question, is community really necessary, has me straddling the fence some. For on one hand, community is a strong and powerful voice for good. It can be. In the recovery community, for instance, which is not only my community, but also the community in which I work, community is considered therapeutic. There's, there's a whole ethos surrounding the term and use of community as, as a place of, of help and healing and hope. A therapeutic community is defined as a participative, say that three times fast, a group-based approach to long-term mental illness, personality disorders, and drug and alcohol addiction. Undoubtedly, you've heard of Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. There's also um, emotions anonymous there's there's food addicts anonymous um, less well known outside of those circles are the peer recovery communities that exist across the globe where people have joined together to to lend help and support to each other across the mental health and trauma spectrum self help groups as these are called, um, also referenced as support groups, they, they abound. Uh, they are many. Uh, they are far flung. Um, and the reasons these groups, these communities continue to thrive, even without fanfare, is for the simple reason that they are effective. They are successful 
in doing the thing they are designed designed to do, which is lend support, lend lend a helping hand, accept people where they are, walk alongside each other, suspend judgment when people fail, ex accept the simple fact that missteps happen because life is hard and life is just really hard sometimes and some of us are doing the best we can moment to moment um, we celebrate victories the small ones and the bigger ones um, another thing that therapeutic communities are is non-judgmental nobody is expected to look like speak like dress like anyone else no one is expected to live the same lifestyle, whatever that means. There is no assumption that people are the same or come from same or similar backgrounds. In fact, no one would be surprised if the rich upper class executive is in the same space, in the same gathering with the, with the homeless person on the one side or the, or the formerly incarcerated person on the other side, because the one thing that these groups, these communities know is that mental illness or drug and alcohol addiction, they do not discriminate. These groups, these communities know that every single person, no matter their life circumstances, can be affected by these challenges. There is no expectation of conformity beyond the issue for which they find themselves sitting in that healing circle. In fact, they wouldn't even be sitting in that healing circle if they didn't already know that their lives were unmanageable on the current course. They know that they need to do something different in order for their lives to make sense or make sense again, maybe make sense for the first time. They know that the paths they are currently walking is destroying them, destroying their relationships, destroying their livelihoods, perhaps. They know they need to do something different to interrupt the current tra trajectory. They also know that because they are sitting in that particular cir circle, that they can't do it alone. They've tried doing it alone. They've tried probably bunches of times. They've tried, they've failed, they've come to realize that they need the help and the support of others that know what it is they're talking about and perhaps know what it is they're going through. And this sense of needing help is the same condition I had when I walked into the doors of the many, many churches I've been a member of. But what I needed was something that a physical substance or a medication could not soothe or satisfy. I was for many years dealing with a soul hunger, a spiritual hunger for something the world could not give me. I was looking for something bigger than myself, looking for a purpose, a reason to care about this life. No, no, I was not suicidal, but I was disillusioned with life as I understood it. I had taken a cold, hard look at life 
I'd had some cold, hard life experiences, and everything that I saw in front of me was temporary, superficial remedies to the hunger I had for meaning. I was lucky in that I walked into the one church at that one time that would give me that spiritual connection and meaning that I hungered for, that would become foundational to my life, that would set me on the path to my purpose, that would render me whole, a feeling I had not had before. I say I was lucky because for me, that was a one-time experience that had a lifetime consequence. For I would leave that church and go to a different church in a different town because of a life change. And, and while I, I would leave that cocoon of that nurturing community, I would still feel the need for community, for connection, because life journey is just better with friends. True community, true connection has some prerequisites, at least it did for me. And the main prerequisite is radical acceptance. Kind of like how Jesus just accepted everybody. He administered to everybody. He fed whomever was around. There was never an expectation that people would conform beyond the great commandment of love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Simple, yet not so simple. If you've listened to me for a little while, you, you know that I talk about the layers of things and uh, more to the point, I talk about the unlayering process that I and others on this journey have to go through to get to the core, get to the foundation of our life mission and get to the path of our purpose on the planet. And when it comes to churches, at least the ones I've had experience with, the great but simple commandment of love God love your neighbor as yourself, has other conditions laid on top of it. Those conditions, we can, we can call them beliefs, vary based on the church, the denomination, the faith method one may belong to. In fact, I wrote a chapter in my book about the universal community. Here's a little bit of that passage here. What does belief look like? Well, considering the number of churches, denominations, and religious institutions worldwide, there is a fair argument to say that we, the collective we, do not agree on what belief looks like. When we do not agree, we divide into factions. Our communities divide and split into even smaller factions. Malvina Reynolds wrote a song called Little Boxes in 1962. It is described as political satire about conformist middle-class attitudes with respect to middle-class suburbia. People in the same neighborhoods go to the same schools, go into the same line of work, and they all look just the same, is the refrain. Our human need for community and connection can lock us into a certain way of thinking, especially when we join with like-minded others. It doesn't have to. But in our reality, in our humanness, it often does. When I finally left church, I reached a point where I no longer wanted to gear up for another set of belief systems beyond God so loved the world. 
I no longer had tolerance for anything laid atop love God and love your neighbor as yourself. For me, that universal radical love and acceptance rendered me incapable of fitting into the belief box. The belief box is for people who have figured out who and what God is. What I have finally come to is that God is. And I am comfortable in that unfinished space after those two words. Because whenever I fill in the blank after God is, something else or someone else comes along to show me that God is that and this and also this other thing. And who am I to say that they are wrong? For it is part of my belief system, if you will, to accept that the spirit moves to and works through each of us and all our experiences. And when brought together, God is, can be a kaleidoscope of colors and images and experiences and definitions. And only when we come together in radical and total acceptance of that kaleidoscope with zero expectation that anyone believes as we believe, only then will we be in true, global, universal healing community. When and if you find that community, know that you have found treasure beyond measure. Value it. Replicate it if you can. Share the love of God is. That's all for now. Sending you love, sending you peace. Stay safe. Until next time, this is Finding Faith.